Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, and I am thrilled to have with me today Joel Krutz, the former CFO of Viacom CBS International, and someone that I have had the absolute pleasure of working with. And so it's a real treat to have Joel on with us today. So welcome and thanks for giving us your time. Thank you, Jane. Lovely to be here. So start off by giving us a bit of a, a career history, because most people love to know a little bit about the person that we're interviewing and, and bringing perspectives from. So give us a, a potted quick walkthrough, Joel. Okay. Well, I'm originally from New Zealand. Uh, I left there with a, a great degree in management studies, uh, followed a, a well-worn path of New Zealanders to London for a couple of years of working holiday. I worked in a number of short contracts there and then got a call uh, for a two-week assignment at Viacom in a very small part of the international division. Well, that that two weeks uh, turned into over 20 years. And in that time, I went from looking after an expense base of $5 million to becoming group CFO of International and uh, being responsible for a $2.5 billion global multimedia portfolio. Uh, and a little bit of color then to that to that journey, you know that that initial two weeks turned into a a three month contract upon which I became a, a business expense analyst, which then turned into a business manager with full P and L responsibility, and eventually at the formation of the emerging markets group, I was appointed CFO. And that was my first multi-location team building experience as we had a footprint from London, Budapest, Warsaw, Joburg, and we also had some other satellite offices throughout Central Eastern Europe. The next phase in my career, if, uh, if I can put it like that, was around the time we had a new CFO join International. And uh, I was asked to create and lead a, a financial operations and compliance group, which was, in essence, an internal financial consultancy. Beyond the SOX and internal audit elements, there were three real components to this role. Firstly, running global projects. Secondly, stitching in any merger acquisitions to the financial framework. And thirdly, probably most interestingly, was being dropped in to support underperforming finance organizations around the world. And uh, I spent a good amount of time in India and, and Singapore uh, working with the financial and general management out there. We then had a new international president, Bob Backish, who is now president of Viacom CBS, uh, take the helm at International. Uh, it was a major restructure shortly afterwards, and I was offered a role in New York where we were establishing a, a global FPNA function, which was a, a tremendous opportunity, but also a significant challenge. Uh, completely new teams, new systems, new processes, 
as we looked to unify and coordinate what had previously been a commonwealth of independent nations, as, as Bob referred to them. Uh, that business we took from a billion to a billion and a half, and we turned uh, a loss-making proposition into a double-digit profit generator. Um, real, really uh, successful and, and, and interesting tenure there. Five years ago, then, I was promoted to, to CFO of International. And in, in that five years, we've spent a, a lot of time building out the leadership team. Uh, we have a, a really, really high quality executive structure there with the world-class levels of resilience, uh, which has been critical. Um, you know, the last five years have been a, a, a really disruptive uh, and, and challenging period in, uh, in terms of the industry, in terms of competition. Uh, we've dealt with market meltdowns and um, we've also had a real reconfiguration of, of the business in that period. Um, you know, during that though, the, uh, the teams were still very focused. Uh, we, we had tremendous success in, in delivering strong levels of, of revenue diversification and profit growth and completed a full transformation of the finance function, uh, standing up a center of excellence in, in Budapest and migrating that function to a, a full centrally supported operating model, which is where you and I worked very closely together, Jane, and, uh, and just ensuring that that organization was pointed in the right direction and uh, an understanding of, uh, of the processes that they were going through. But, you know, we've, uh, we're, we're very proud of, of what we achieved during that period. And, uh, you know, two, two decades later, uh, it, it flashed by. And uh, I've been very fortunate with that journey to date. Fortunate, but also contributed an enormous amount. I mean, just listening to the journey and, and knowing that I've only known you for a small part of that is, is quite phenomenal. And so much of it being across different geographies, Joel, as well, because what you've described, I mean, I, I didn't count the countries, but maybe I will go back and count the countries that you mentioned. <laughs> um, but, you know, just such complexity, not only from a business perspective, but from a leadership perspective when you've got huge numbers of people across geographies that you're trying to engage and trying to motivate and, and coordinate. And, and of course, therefore, that's where the context of remote working comes in, isn't it? Because you, you're trying to do all of those great things as a leader when you're not in a room with people the whole time. And a huge amount of that was around mindset. So tell us a little bit about what you've, you've learned in the, in the in sort of remote working space about what's worked for you when you when perhaps you first started working, you know, internationally and more recently as you've been, you know, really, really dynamically piloting transformation. It's interesting, Jane, as you know, when, when you and I discussed doing this podcast, I, I cast my mind back and, and, and realized that, you know, it, it is second nature to me now, but throughout that, you know, that journey that I just uh, described, there's always been a good level of, of remote working in, in, in each of my roles. I think it was most prominently with stakeholders at the outset where a majority of, of my clients were spread throughout Europe. And uh, it, it was a matter then of, of developing techniques as to, to how best to service them and to, to be available, right? A lot of it later then transpired translatable or transferable to actual remote management where 
as a group CFO, there was direct management of around 140 finance executives around the world uh, in, in, in every continent, uh, and probably double that in terms of an indirect support structure uh, that we were also working through. And of that amount, I had probably only three who were sitting in uh, in close proximity to me, and by that I mean in the in the office in in New York. So I've uh, I've obviously grown up with that with that distance uh, as a challenge, and um, you know a, lo- a lot of the those those lessons that I uh, encountered um, early on have uh, have held me in good stead. You know I I feel that the necessity of presence is is overrated i've always been far more focused on output and product rather than how many hours you're sitting in a in a seat in the office and uh, that that deliverable that tangible tangible output i think is uh, is is a lot more clear and defined when you're in this uh, this this remote situation um it does certainly require more of an investment up front. I think you you have to build out those relationships early. You've got to know what makes each other tick. You have to know the uh, the realities of uh, the the individual at the other end that that uh, you're asking a lot of and is that and putting their trust in you and vice versa. Um, so you know developing that empathy and, uh, and and creating that connection is is critical right that investment has to be uh, put in it's also essential that your your level of communication as to status and and progress um, around deliverables or, or or where you are in in terms of the the work stream etc is is also made crystal clear that is the the trade off Right, where where you don't have that ability to just wander around the office and uh, and, and do those drop-ins, there has to be a lot more proactivity and uh, and awareness, so you can actually step in and help or ask for help, and obviously just be managing expectations. Big opportunity, I think that a lot of the world is going to find as we inevitably move into uh, more of a, a remote working uh, mindset is that the, the catchment area at the moment is probably 30 miles for, for talent. You move to remote working, those, those barriers and those boundaries fall away, right? Uh, I'm not saying that the world is your oyster, but there's certainly a lot more territory. And um, as I took to, to managing individuals, whether they be in Europe, Latin America, Asia Pacific, just that, 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 that global pool of talent uh, was, was really made clear to me. And um, I think that that's something that is a huge benefit and, uh, and, and something that's going to be embraced more significantly going forwards. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and as you're speaking, it reminds me, Joel, of when I, I worked for Sony for many years and, and I had a global role, but I was actually based in Europe and the team was across the world. And, and what, what happened was the talent was spotted and people were given roles no matter where they were in the world because 
that was the way to get the right people. And, and I absolutely agree that what we'll see is the trend towards remote working accelerates. We'll see more of that happening. So great, great point to raise. I, I just want to go back to the point you made about connection and this need to invest up front. And I'd love to know mm. more about how did you do that at a practical level? Because it is so important, isn't it, that that, that investment, that trust is built early because otherwise conflict starts to occur, misunderstandings and, and the need for clarity becomes even more than it might have been if you didn't have that up front. What, how, how are some of the things, you know, what, what were some of the things that you did to, to really make that happen? I'm naturally inclined to... To, to try and understand what, what drives individuals. I'm, uh, I'm curious because that, that footprint is so diverse and, and so significant uh, as to, to what that, that backdrop, what that landscape is that, that individuals are existing in and operating in. And I think that those additional layers and, and, and components that you can put together about your your team and, and and your team members just uh, it it allows that 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 deepening of a connection that you may not bother with in in direct proximity right it, and you have to be careful obviously you're not you're not trying to pry and uh, you have to be sensitive as to how you go about it but that that trust building that 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 connection that this is not just a uh, a very transactional relationship that there's a, a good deal of, of human interaction going on here as you said means that when you need to put pressure down when there's there's additional asks when there's a, a, a level of additional demand that perhaps is, is going to be required that again distance makes more challenging it, it, it's going to be a, a lot easier. It's going to be a lot more natural that the, the reaction is going to be positive and, and there's going to be an understanding, right? It's, it's in, in many respects, I think, and not just in this, in this realm, but I think we're finding that a lot of things that we took for granted uh, and, and, and a lot of simple elements to management and to, to interaction are being really exaggerated in this, in this very strange, bizarre time but a lot of them are going to be applicable going forwards. And I think that, you know, that, that type of human interaction where you've had to adapt so significantly here, again, is, uh, is going to be held in, in, in good stead going forwards. Yeah. And, and of course, we're recording this in the middle of COVID-19 where you're in, in New York on lockdown and I'm in the UK on lockdown, which shows even recording this podcast how remote working really does work. And that ability to connect that we have now is just so much easier with the technology than it's ever been. But it is about mindset, isn't it? And about saying, well, I'm going to be intentional, that point you made earlier. It's, it, we can't just rely on it happening. We've got to communicate. We've got to connect. We've got to give that clarity because you don't get those little coffee moments where you're making a coffee together or standing in a queue together and, and you're able to communicate. And what I'd love to know, Joel, on that point is, you know, what are the other challenges that you've had to overcome when working remotely? And, and in particular, leading a remote team for perhaps anyone listening that's leading remotely what what advice would you give them it certainly comes with challenges and once you add cross borders in you're you're adding in time shifts uh, as well as as that distance 
and you have to be flexible. Right? I think that you you yourself have to uh, be understand understanding again of 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 the, the realities of your team um, on a remote basis and, and and adapt to that. Understand what times of the day are, are, are optimal, whether or not that means early mornings or uh, sometimes late nights. Um, you know, you want to dis disperse that and and ensure that it's not just a, a one-sided sacrifice. And um, I was uh, very familiar with the 4 a.m., 5 a.m. starts, um, you know, in, in my role. And um, it was something that I accepted as, as part of the territory. And um, I think it was also a sign to the team that, you know, I understood the, uh, the realities of, uh, of where they are and, and, and what they're going through. Challenges were also, we stood up uh, the center of excellence in, in Budapest and that meant bringing in new layers of leadership uh, as well as more junior employees. And uh, a challenge there is to, to, how do you articulate the culture? How do you get across to these uh, new employees, the, the expectations, uh, the, um, uh, yeah, the the type of, of, of interactions and, and relationships and, and, and how individuals should be carrying themselves on a remote basis. And it's it's that intent, as you say, right? It's 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 for start uh, walking the walk and and, and being very clear and, and communicative as to, to those expectations and obviously uh, assessing, correcting being a lot more aware as to and, and, and available at those early stages of development and, and entry into an organization. And again, I go back to, I, I'm, I would hazard to guess that in most instances, we're not orienting and inducting employees in an optimal manner because I think it's all the work is done in attracting and recruiting and then once you get them in the door it's like job done well you, your job is not done if somebody is sitting you know, 10,000 miles away uh, you you know very clearly that that work is just beginning as to to you honing and, and developing that uh, that uh, employee to to the point where they're going to be set for success and you know that was that was a real labor of love to to, to build up that organization but clearly getting out what you what you put in what you were just saying there really speaks to me in terms of that onboarding piece as well and that leadership responsibility to make sure that when you bring somebody in particularly if they're remote that they get the right level of support on an ongoing basis I mean you know it's not a, a quick induction or onboarding and then off they go it's a regular check-in it's it's really planning for six or 12 months if someone's remote because they're not going to get the, the, the little things each day and that sense of team that they would get if they were in in, in the desk next to you yeah the other area that was was a challenge and this is always i think the the friction that comes from a remoteness is that that instant access that instant availability it, which this may not always be possible i mean there's not not really a great excuse for uh, given how accessible we are we all are now um for for better or worse the and associated with that fire drills, emergencies, and um, 
emergencies are always a relative term and really in the eye of the, the beholder when it comes to work. But I think that managing those expectations again and, and, and educating your remote teams um, as to what really did warrant uh, asking them to go above and beyond, providing context, uh, ensuring that, again, you had that empathy of, of, of understanding if uh, there was a certain situation going on at home or uh, some sort of timing, but having or proving that you had evaluated those circumstances before you'd put that proposition or put that, put that ask on the individual was also something that was a it was a was a constant piece of work that we so it wasn't so so much of a a matter of trying to explain and get that trust in the heat of the moment right it was it was known that i wouldn't be asking unless it was was really was critical yeah and i know from experience that that was very much appreciated and understood from from your team because you did put that work in early and that point around empathy it's not just having it it's it's being able to demonstrate it so you know, i i can be empathetic but if i don't demonstrate that empathy then then it's almost wasted and i think that's a real critical point isn't it is dialing up the just the conversation about look i understand that you know i wouldn't be asking yeah. you to do this if it wasn't really critical because people can't can't see you necessarily and so they don't know that you've gone through that thought process and I know that was something that you were particularly mindful and uh, and very good at when when you were in your last role um, Joel there's so much we could talk about with this and, I, and I'm conscious that we, we could we could spend hours which I would thoroughly enjoy but but if you were to really sort of boil down you know the three things that you would say are critical for somebody that is starting to remote work and lead a remote geographically dispersed team, three things that you would say are critical, what would they be? Make yourself readily available to your, to your manager and also to your teammates. As I said, there's, there's really no excuse now, multiple platforms of engagement uh, and, and you really do need to overcompensate for that uh, lack of proximity uh, with your, your technical reach, right? So I'd say that that's essential. I go back to being crystal clear on expectations uh, around deliverables and, and providing those regular status check-ins. And it, it will become second nature, right? And there's, there's also two elements to it that the more you adhere to that, that check-in and your deliverables, then the less that you do need to check in, right? Those status updates become part of, uh, part of the fabric of, of that relationship and, and depending on uh, how I guess the, the levels of reliability that you've proven out. And, and lastly, and this I think is, is going forward, is that you, you should treat that remoteness as a, as a benefit. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not an obligation. I've, I've always, always been open-minded towards this because I go back to product and output far outweigh presence, right? That, that to me is, it's all about what you're serving up. It's not where you're serving it up from. And if your productivity levels are not as expected in, in, in your remote location, then you, know, you, you, you can expect that that, that particular benefit uh, perhaps is, is not going to be made available to you. So that's, that's from a remote worker's perspective. In terms of leading individuals, you know, I think there's, that remoteness brings with it a challenge of, of unifying a group. 
right? I think you can you can obviously establish those that bridge that connection with your your direct reports and uh, ensure that you are on the same wavelength you are uh, having expectations met but it does pose a challenge as to to how you unify how you share and you do need to be again very intentional about that very cognizant of of who you're bringing in i think it is far better to err on the side of inclusiveness um, I think you 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 need to over communicate in terms of updates and and prov the the provision of context. All of this is, is is related, right? The more context individuals have, the less uh, uh, an emergency or a fire drill comes as a as a shock. Yeah, getting the uh, the balance of of engagement on your forums is also critical. I do think you you need to be very conscious of of those meetings that you're bringing together groups of individuals, whether that's the most effective forum, um, you know, for mass audiences, simple repetitive messaging, to 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 communicate vision or progress against that vision, but really dialing it down to to much tighter knit groups to actually progress or or for problem solving. It's about just constantly reassessing again not adhering to the status quo and, and having these recurring meetings but just thinking about those technical platforms and uh, and ensuring that 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 is really serving the purpose and as a leader you know you've got to be constantly visible and uh, again that can be that 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 town hall which uh, I found really, really powerful and, and effective when we were pushing through such a, an aggressive agenda of change, just reminding, uh, re reminding the, uh, the wider organization what we were, you know, what we were on a path towards, why we we're on this path, and you know, all of the success and, and challenges that we were encountering. Be there, um, you know, have, create an open door policy on a, uh, on a on a remote basis, right? So you are accessible and, and you can just respond. It just makes a, a huge difference to morale um, and uh, to you know, putting, putting demands on at certain times if, uh, if that context and, and your visibility is, uh, is being made clear to the organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I love the notion and, and the words you used earlier about it's what you're serving up, not where you're serving up from that matters. And that being just so critical to remember. So I, great advice, Joel. Great advice for, for anyone that is in a remote working environment, but particularly anyone leading in it. And, and really making sure that it's not the tech that drives you, but it's the tech that supports you to really show up and engage people in the right way. So listen, thank you so much for joining us. Some great nuggets in, in what you've talked about and lovely to, to hear about some of the, the experience and stories as well uh, we wish you luck in the in the next chapter and uh, hopefully we'll get you back in to talk a little bit more about what you're doing next and and some of those experiences as well but thank you so much for joining us joel love it love to jane thank you very much thank you thank you for listening continue the journey at www culturebuilders.com